moved here from Ohio, so I've got a lot of friends and family back there, and so I'm yeah. I I just wanted to tell them. <laughs> eh, no, just kidding. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry. That's okay. They spanked us last year, and they didn't let me uh, live that down. That's for sure. But uh, well, they be they beat us as bad as we beat them. So. Very similar way, too. Um, but uh, so my joke this morning was going to was kind of going to be an apology because we uh, our washer. It, let's see. Our washer went out and Luke and Christina lives across the street and their dryer went out. And so we're like, OK, you wash all the clothes and we'll dry all the clothes. So we were running clothes across the street, back across the street. We. It wasn't ideal, but it was working. And then, um, then her washer went out. So that just, uh, so I was going to apologize for stanking this morning, but uh, we both now have washers and dryers. So we're, everybody smells good this morning. So, so instead I had to come up with a joke. So you're welcome. Um, I told the, uh, when I told the carpenter I didn't want carpeted steps, he just gave me a blank stare. I'm, I'm waiting for it to sit in there. There we go. All right. Um, <clears throat> I lost my wife's audio book. Now I'll never hear the end of it. Today, today, uh, hey, that was written by a four-year-old. You're really not going to laugh at it for you? I don't know. It worked for Luke. He said it was Jack's jokes, and everyone laughed. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it was funny, though. We were, <laughs> Jack, I told him, I said, you got to give me some jokes, man. I need to read your book. It's hilarious. This morning, we're going to be talking about that God is bigger. How many know that God is bigger? I don't, I don't need to finish that sentence because that is the complete sentence. God is bigger. Doesn't matter about anything else. Our scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The first thing we're going to talk about is God is bigger than your whale. In Jonah chapter 1, it tells that God told Jonah to do something. And he said, I don't want to do I don't want to do it. So he ran from God. Now I'm paraphrasing there, but you can read that the whole story there yourself if you want. But he tells God, I don't want to do what you asked me to do. So he runs from God. Now let me say, we read this and we laugh and we say, where does he think he's going to run to? You ever read that and go, he's running? Really? It's like Adam and Eve. You're hiding from God. You're running from God. But we do the same thing. God tells us to do something, and we basically say the same thing, paraphrasing here, say, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to be obedient today. I don't want to... 
whatever, fill in the blank. And so we run, we turn away from God and we go our own way. We run from God's will. The second thing here is he's punished for his disobedience. Realize that throughout the Bible, we're studying, we're reading through the Bible on Wednesday nights. And disobedience is, this is my opinion here. I think disobedience, God really disliked. And he says that all sin is equal to him. But I think disobedience, he punishes consistently throughout the Bible. Disobedience is what uh, got Jonah here in trouble. He finds himself in a big, bad, horrible situation. He's been eaten by a big fish or a whale. And I'm sure things look hopeless. He's inside of this big fish, whale, and there's no way out. If you're inside of an animal, I think you can look at that situation and go, yep, this is hopeless, right? There's no way out of this. Jonah put himself in this situation by being disobedient. And we tend to do the same thing in our lives. You may be in a situation that is totally your doing. Totally your fault. You ran from God. And you say, how do I get out of my own mess? While in the belly, he cries out to God for forgiveness. No matter what we've done, no matter why we're in the situation that we're in, there's always a way out. It's never over as long as we have breath. It's never too late. I've had people tell me, but you don't understand what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jonah was so bad that God had a fish swallow him. I don't think any of us have been swallowed by a fish. So we're not as bad as him at least. So there's always hope. He cries out for forgiveness. He says, God, I was stupid. And if you save me, I'll be obedient. I'll do anything you want me to do. I will follow your will. God then has the whale spit him up because God is bigger than the whale. It doesn't matter the situation you're in. You can be in the belly of the beast, in the depth of the horrible, disgusting, probably all kinds of stuff we don't even want to know that's in there. Gross, smelly. And sometimes that's the way we feel. We're, we put ourselves in that nasty situation, but when we cry out, no matter what it is, no matter what we've done, we cry out to God, forgive me, God. You get me out of here, I'll be obedient. And God's bigger than the whale. The second thing is, God is bigger than your jar. 1 Kings 17 tells us of a widow that had... Very little stuff in her jar to make food. She was in a bad place. She's preparing to die. She's ready to die. Elijah came to her and asked for some food. And she said, I'm about to make me and my son the last of our food. The last little cake that I can make with what I have. The oil and, and the, the flour, whatever. I'm making the last for us and then we're going to die. She's ready to die because there's no hope. There's no way out of this. There's no food. There's nothing I can do. There's no man to take care of her. There's no, it's not like today where women, you can go get your job, do what you want. 
She's ready to die. She can't do anything for her and her son. Now, this is an important part of the story. God gives her a way out of that bad place or situation. She's ready to die, but God gives her an out. There's a way for us to get out. What are we going to do? Here, she has to do uh, is to be obedient and to trust God. Sounds easy enough, right? Be obedient. Trust God. The woman had very little flour in her barrel or her pail. Her oil was about to run out just enough for one cake. Then just in time, God sends her Elijah. And he said, don't do it for you first. Make me one and then go and make you one. And if you're obedient, it'll never run out until the, the famine ends here. The drought ends. Can you imagine what Satan told her in her mind whenever Elijah tells her that? Elijah says, I know there's only enough for one, but you make me that one and then trust God that there will be enough. That's everything she has. God asked us to give 10% of our tithes and we freak out. Our minds are blown. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills out? He's not even asking her for 10%. He's asking her for 100% and to trust God. That's her way out of her situation. She's at the bottom of the barrel. And God says, trust me. Isn't it awesome how God comes in just the nick of time? When everything's the, the, looking horrible, we're about to die, we're prepared to die, God comes in. His timing is perfect. It's not ours, but it's perfect. In Philippians chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 19, And my God shall supply some of my needs, According to his riches, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We have to be obedient. We have to do what God tells us to do. We have to be obedient. We look here and we say, she's got nothing to lose. Think about it. She's going to die anyways, right? All she's got is one more meal in there. What's she got to lose? We've been in situations that we sit there and we go, well, what do we have to lose? And we still, anyone is hard-headed, a little slow, and we're like, yeah, but. Third thing, God is bigger than your prison. In Acts chapter 16, uh, you can read it there, verse uh, 16 to 31. But by, by the way, is these scriptures sound? Does that scripture sound familiar to anyone? Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 31. Uh, Isaiah spoke on it two weeks ago, and I, Eleanor did a children's moment on it the same week. Paul and Silas were taking their missionary journey, and they passed through several cities preaching. The word of God. They come across this slave girl who is demon possessed. This girl was the source of the income for the 
owner. If you remember the story that they both told a couple weeks ago. And they see this poor girl that she needs Christ. So they cast out the demon in Jesus' name. Now, this is the meal ticket to these guys. This, she's making all the money for them. So this angers them. And they go and they complain to the Romans. And let's read what happens to them. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they've been beaten, chained, and thrown into the middle of the prison so they wouldn't escape. They're in a bad place. Anyone been in, in that bad of a place where you've been beaten? thrown into prison, chained, maybe not physically, but sometimes we feel like it, don't we? We've got our own kind of prison. But let me tell you, God was still in control there. doesn't matter the situation. They're in a dark place. But God's still in control. They could have moped and complained, but what did they do? They chose to worship God. They chose to praise God, sing praises to God, and God came through for them. Instead of complaining, why is God doing this to me? Why, why is God allowing this? Moping and groaning and complaining like a lot of Christians do. They said, been beaten for doing what God asked me to do. Been thrown into prison for doing what God asked me to do. Chained. For doing what God wants me to do. But I'm still going to worship Him. Because no matter what, God's in control. So they chose to worship Him. When you do the right things, and the bad things happen to you because of it, remember God is in control. He knows the future and what you're going through. Many of us today feel like we're in a prison of some sort, maybe emotionally, financially, mentally, or physically. Let me tell you that God is bigger than your prison. The next thing, God is bigger than your storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. says, On the same day when evening had come, He said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took Him along in the boat as He was, and other little boats were also with Him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the pillow and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
It doesn't matter what our storm is. God is in control. It could be a storm of depression, temptation, loss of loved ones, loss of health, financial confusion, difficult decisions, loneliness, fears, failures. It doesn't matter. Nothing's too big for God because He speaks to the storm and it must obey. Understand that, people, this morning. That God speaks to the storm and it has to stop instantly. He was so scared that he's asleep in the storm. You ever been on a boat when it's rocking? I don't care if you're asleep. You know when it, you, you get some, you know, you look out on the, on the ocean or sea or whatever, and you just see, you don't even see a white cap. And you're thinking, oh, it's pretty calm. And then you get in those little boats. We were in a boat. It's called a tender. Ten, yeah, whatever. And it's, it's big enough, it would hold all of us and then some. It holds like 300 people in this little boat. And those little waves, you're going like this. You feel it, boy. You're going, ooh, yep. Now imagine his little boat. It's not going to hold 300 people. It's a fishing boat. It's probably a good size, He's, you know, but nowhere near the size of 300 people holding And this storm is rocking it and rolling it. Jesus had no fear because he knew the storm can't do anything. Can't touch him. Bobby Brown can't touch it. Has no fear of the storm. Why do we fear? He looks at him and goes, why are you so fearful of this storm? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who's in your boat? Don't you know who has control over this storm in your life? You may feel like God does not care. But let me remind you that God never fails. Not only is he bigger than the storm, the storm listens to him. He speaks and they listen. He's better than E.F. Hutton. And only us old people understand what in the world I just said and what I'm talking about. I can I see <laughs> only a few of us. <laughs> Yikes, we have a young congregation. <laughs> us old people are like, look it up, you don't understand. But everyone listened. Now let me close with this. God is bigger than the whale. He's bigger than your jar. He's bigger than your prison. And he's bigger than your storm. Some are stuck in these. And they've cried out to God and wondering why you're still there. Why are we still in this storm? Why are we still in this situation? Well, I'm going to read the opening scripture again. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, what's the difference between our situation that we're going through and the situations we're talking about? God is still bigger than no matter what you're going through. But the problem is, is that first part. With men, this is impossible. We try and do it ourselves. That's okay, God. You you stay asleep, Jesus, over there. I got this. Can you imagine the disciples saying that? Jesus, that's all right. 
I'm in control here. I got this. I mean, they were stupid in a lot of areas. You look in the Bible. He chose them, but eh, some of them just like did some really stupid things. But they weren't that stupid to think, I got Jesus on board here. I'm just going to leave him there. No, they're like, wake I can imagine going, wake up, we're going to die. What's wrong? Why are you letting us die? Stop trying to do it yourself because with us, it's impossible. We can't have our own salvation. We can't control that. We can't control Satan on our own. In Jesus' name, we can control all things. The verse is, God will supply all my needs. If we seek first God, when with God all things are possible. Stop trying to do it yourself. Sometimes we pray to God. We may cry out but we don't give it to him. We don't give him and leave it with him. It's kind of like we come to the altar, God, help me with this. And then we, you know, chain back up. That's what I'm used to. Let me put this, strap this all back on here and I'll just drag my anchor back to my seat. We feel comfortable with it. Arrogant, fear, whatever it is, we're, we don't give it to God. With us, these things, all these things we're talking about this morning, no matter what you're going through, the list I read and probably a lot more, those things are impossible. But with God, he didn't say some things are possible. He didn't say eh, maybe possible. He said all things are possible. We have to remember that this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, where you've been, no matter what Satan tells you your situation is, no matter, he'll tell us, oh, there's nothing you can do. Look at this, God, he's going to lie to us. We need to learn to shut it off and focus on God, give it to him, and let's do like Paul and Silas. Just worship God, cry out to God. Look, the Chiefs play next week. As we worship today, let's start practicing our, our loudness, like when the Chiefs are going to play. I guarantee you, I remember when they, were in the, when they won the Super Bowl. Remember we were down in the first half. We were getting whooped up on. We were watching it in a big auditorium, and man, they were just looking at us, and we're just sitting there, oh, this is horrible. But that second half, when they're coming along and all of a sudden they're coming back and you see a score and score and it's and it gets going, it gets building up in us, and then all of a sudden we're winning and we're just hooting and hollering and screaming and yelling. We need to look at God way better than we look at the Chiefs or the Royals when they won the World Series. So let's practice a little bit this morning. Start crying out for God and worshiping God and telling Him how awesome He is. And God, I'm going to give this to you. This is your problem. This is your storm. This is your whale. This is your jar. This is your prison. It doesn't matter. This is yours. I am going to do my job. And you know what our job is? To worship God.
That's our job, to worship God, be obedient to him, and let him deal with the rest. Let's bow our heads. If you're watching this morning or you're here, the first step is realizing that God is in control of your past as well. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done. Satan's going to lie to you and tell you you're too bad. Your past is just, there's no way you deserve it. And he is correct. We do not deserve it. But that's why God sent Jesus down. Because we can't do it on our own. We can't make it to heaven on our own. So this morning, all we have to do, confess our sins and say, God, forgive me of my sins. All of it. Doesn't matter what it is. I give all my past, all my sins to you. Forgive me of those and come into my heart. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you loved us so much. That you understood that we can't do it on our own. So you sent Jesus, your only son, just for us. Each and every one of us, Lord, you loved us. And we come to you this morning. We ask you to forgive us of all of our sins. Come into our hearts, Lord. And fill us up with all your blessings. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, if you have a problem, you've got a situation, no matter how big or how little it is, Altars are open. Let's come up. Let's give it to him and leave it here and focus on worshiping him this morning.